This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends, and welcome back. Before I answer this question, is the Bible the Word of God, I'd like to do a little housekeeping. First of all, if you'd like to contact me, if you have any thoughts or questions or perhaps some issues that you'd like me to address, you can contact me at this email address, ancientpathspodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to know a little bit more about me and my family and the work that I'm involved in, you can visit my personal website, www.cantrell.cc. That is the letter C twice. The letter C is in cat, twice at the end, cantrell.cc. And also, I'm just starting to open up a YouTube channel. You can find it on YouTube, Ask for the Ancient Paths. I'm just beginning to upload the first teachings from the series, so it'll take a little while to populate that channel. You won't see my face, you'll hear my voice, but I've also added in graphics with the scriptures that I refer to, and hopefully that'll be helpful in different circumstances. For instance, if you wanted to have a small group and work through something that I share, you could watch the video and see the scripture references and things like that. So... On to the topic at hand. (laughs) And I must admit, I'm a little hesitant about how to start this. Uh, I actually recorded this yesterday and didn't like how it turned out, so I'm making another run at it. Is the Bible the Word of God? Well, I imagine that you think this is a pretty easy question to answer. This should be a pretty short talk, right? Is the Bible the Word of God? Well, of course, we would all say the answer is yes. That's the end of that conversation. No, not quite. As with many things in the life of faith, there are lots of different facets to it, and there's a depth that may not be readily apparent. This is a subject that I've been thinking about quite a bit over the years, and I really felt like the Lord wanted me to bring this to you now. So here we go. I ask you to bear with me. I'm about to say something that will sound contrarian, or as the English would say, uh, it'll sound a bit cheeky. And my answer is, is the Bible the Word of God? My answer is no, at least not in the way that many may mean that phrase. And again, please bear with me as I work through this question. I assure you we will end up in a place that is both doctrinally true as well as encouraging and pleasant. (laughs) Hang in there. So let's look at what the Bible itself says, and let's start with this question. If the Bible is not the Word of God, as people most often mean that phrase, well then what is it? And here we must begin with a text that is familiar to us. In John chapter 1, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And then a little later in verse 14, John writes, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So first off, the question really shouldn't be, what is the Word of God, but who is the Word of God? We're going to come at it from the scriptural side. A big part of this question is, who is the Word of God? Well, here in the scripture, John uses the Greek word logos. 
in the sense that in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. Jesus is the Logos. The Logos was with God. Jesus is God. The Logos created everything. In the Logos is life, the light of men. And the Logos became flesh and lived among us. This is the Logos, the Word of God. And it's just as the question is not, what is the way to the Father, but who is the way to the Father? If you remember in John chapter 14, Jesus said, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me so that you may be where I am. And you know the place where I am going. Well, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, Jesus, of course, was right. Thomas already knew the way to the place that he didn't even know about. He already knew Jesus, and Jesus himself is the way. And I'll make a quick aside here. If you are unsure of your future, and really who isn't, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you already know the way into your unknown future. Jesus is the way. There is no other way. And not only is Jesus the way, the truth, and the life, but he's also the word. He doesn't just tell us the word. He is the word. Now, this Greek word logos occurs over 250 times in the New Testament. Of course, it's translated as word or words, but it's also translated as account or a matter or message or news or saying or speech or statement. So we see in the scriptures that the word logos has multiple meanings and multiple uses. Yes, sometimes it merely means a word, any word. And it also has a richer, deeper meaning. Jesus is the Logos. He speaks the Logos. And scripturally, other people speak the Logos as well. And since we're asking who and what is the Word of God, I'll take some time to look at examples of the use of the word Logos in the New Testament writings. How is this term, Logos, used with this deeper meaning? When is it used and who uses it? So we'll take a little bit of time to look through this. In Mark chapter 2, we read, When Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. He preached the Logos to them. Here, at the very beginning of Christ's ministry on earth, He is preaching the Word of God, the Logos. And my main point here, just at the start, is that the Word exists before our New Testament text. Jesus is preaching the Word before the New Testament text is written down. The Word of God is not limited to the printed text. In Mark chapter 4, verse 14, and I spoke about this uh, a little bit earlier in a previous talk, It's the parable of the farmer sowing the seed. And in Mark chapter 4, verse 14, we read the explanation of that parable. And it's interesting when Jesus gives the explanation and the way that it's broken down here in verses. In every verse, the word logos is mentioned. 
And here is Jesus' explanation of that parable. The farmer sows the word. The farmer sows the logos. Some people are like seed along the path where the logos is sown. But as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the logos and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the Logos, they fall away quickly. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things come in and choke the Logos, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. So here I've interspersed the translation with the word logos, and we see it's all about the logos being sown. The farmer sows the logos, the word of God. And we see that Satan hates it and in some way spiritually can steal it from people. Also, we see that trouble and persecution cause people to fall away from it. And I think that would probably happen in many churches uh, in the West in particular, If there were persecution because people call themselves Christian, a lot of people would stop calling themselves Christians. That's happened historically. We also read that the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things can choke out that logos, make it unfruitful, not allow it to become mature. And sadly, the word of God does not always bear fruit because it depends on the soil that receives it. And here I want to emphasize that the Word of God is sown and received. In John chapter 2, we read, After Jesus was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said, and then they believed the Scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. In the New International Version, this is translated as words, but it's logos. And they believed the logos that Jesus had revealed to them. And interestingly, we see that they believed both the scriptures and the logos. They believed the scriptures and the word of God. In Acts chapter 2, we have a really great example of the word of God being presented to people. This is on the day of Pentecost, after the disciples have received the Holy Spirit. Peter gets up and gives a great sermon telling everybody that's there what's going on. And in Acts chapter 2, we read, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Just a little bit later, we read, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Here, the word logos is translated as his message. Those who accepted the logos were baptized. So here we see the word of God, the logos, was brought to the people. And I encourage you to go back in Acts chapter 2 and read all of Peter's sermon to the people on Pentecost. Because in that sermon, when he speaks, Peter quotes Old Testament writings as he brings a new message to mankind. This logos, this word of God, ends with a call to repent and be baptized, the call to do something. 
when Peter spoke the word, it moved people to action. They said, what should we do? It moved people, this word of God. And again, my point is, this was said before the New Testament scriptures were ever written down. Even before people had the New Testament writings, they had the word of God and they received it and it moved them to action. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we read something interesting, and it applies to today as well as back, of course, in Paul's time. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity, like men sent from God. Well, look at this. He's saying that many people were already peddling the word of God. For those who don't know, the word peddle means to sell, to go around and try to sell something, to make some money. And he's saying that he does not peddle the logos for profit. And it is possible to peddle the word of God for money. It's been happening from the very beginning. It's very interesting to me that within a generation or less of the word of God being presented to human beings, some people were out there trying to make money off of it. As a matter of fact, Paul says that many were trying to profit themselves from God's word, and it still happens today. Were they peddling a Bible, or were they peddling a message? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul writes, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Here the Logos, the Word of Christ, the Logos of Christ, dwells in us richly. That's another perspective, another example, another facet of what the Word of God is. In Hebrews chapter 4, the writer of the book of Hebrews writes something that I think is familiar to many of us. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. This is, as I said, familiar to us. Here we see that the Logos, the Word, it's living and it's active. It is sharp. It divides. It judges. Printed text on a page is not living. Ink is not living. I'll come to this a bit later. Um, That said... The printed text can most assuredly have an effect and is supremely valuable. James chapter 1. Do not merely listen to the word, the Logos, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But... The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Well, James says that it's possible to listen to the Logos, but not live by the Logos. And also, I'll point out that he equates the Logos with the perfect law that gives freedom. This is the Logos. It's a law that gives freedom. And James says we have to do it. It's not enough to know that it's there. We have to do it. Peter writes, in 1 Peter we have it, he writes, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, 
but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Yeah, Peter says, the word of the Lord, the logos of the Lord, stands forever. It is living and enduring, just as when Peter preached in Pentecost. That is the living and enduring word of God. So we come back to John, but now in his first letter that we have, 1 John. And John writes, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life, the logos of life. And a bit later, he says, if we say that we haven't sinned, we make him to be a liar, and his word, his logos, is not in us. So here we come full circle. Jesus is the word of life. He is the logos. And this logos is to live within us. We find this word logos in quite a few English words coming to us from the Greek. Here are a few. Biology, radiology, zoology, cardiology, hydrology, anthropology, geology. We see the logos in this ology at the end. These are areas of scientific study, and that's studying why things are the way they are. And these ologies are studying the logos of each area, if I may say. For instance, biology is studying life. Why is life as it is? Zoology is studying animals. Why are animals the way they are? Cardiology, studying the heart and why it is as it is, how it works. Hydrology, studying water. Why is water as it is and how does it function? Geology, studying the earth. Why is the earth as it is and how does it work? Why is life as it is? The logos, why things are the way they are. And here we see why this word logos is perfectly applied to Jesus. Jesus is why things are the way they are. He holds it all together. He created it all. He is the logos, the ultimate reality. He is the Lord over all. Well, given all that, let's return to this original question. Is the Bible the word of God? What of the written scriptures? That's a question. Well, I've answered, no, not in the way people usually understand the meaning of the phrase. Here are my reasons for saying that. Jesus and the apostles preached the word of God, the Logos, long before the New Testament texts were written down. The word of God is living and active, and ink on a piece of paper is not alive. It's not living. If all the Bibles in the world were destroyed... Would that destroy the Word of God? No, the Word of God stands forever. Imagine a Christian Chinese shopkeeper imprisoned for her faith, and the authorities will not allow her to have a Bible. Does she have the Word of God? Yes, because it lives in her. And yet, I've also said that the printed Word can have its effect and is supremely valuable. I've used it extensively in this teaching. I depend on it, as do many believers around the world and throughout time. The written text has blessed millions, even billions of people over the years. So how do I reconcile this? 
Well, for that I'll use a word picture. Imagine that we're at a choir rehearsal at church, and the choir director hands out the sheet music, pages of printed music, and he says, here's the music that we'll sing today. And we all take these pages of music without a thought and fully thinking that we are now holding the music in our hands. But is that printed piece of paper really the music? No. What is sheet music? It's markings and symbols printed on a piece of paper. Music is the thing that fills the room. Music is the thing that touches our hearts. The printed music is the notation of the music, but it's not really the music itself. Even though I might say, would you hand me that music, please? And they would give me a piece of paper, but it's not really the music. Think about the process. A composer creates the music, and then the composer makes a notation of how the music is to be performed. Musicians then take that notation, they study it, and then they bring it to life as the composer intended. And so it is with the Bible. God creates life, how the world is, and then gives us the notation of how to live that life. Just as a musician studies the notes on a page, we also should study this written word of God. And by studying it, we learn how the great composer has created life, how life is to be lived, how he's created us and who he is. And then, as we live out what is written in the text, the word of God is experienced. It becomes alive and active. So, in one sense, the Bible is indeed the word of God, just as music printed on a page is indeed the music. But if it's not performed, if it's not lived, then it remains silent and dead. Or if the music is not performed as the composer intended, then it's false, it's a sham. It's been said that the printed word leads us to the living word. And this is what James is saying. Don't just hear it. Don't just read it. Live it. Do it. Let us not merely read the Bible, read the Word of God. Let us put it into practice. That's why we have it. Let us receive the living Word, that beautiful mystery, now revealed to the people of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, Until next time, my friends, may the Lord continue to reveal his word and his ways to you, for his paths are good, and they always bring peace to the soul. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you for listening, and God bless you all.